All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 103. This is our NBA season preview podcast. And B Pimp, our listeners are going to say, hey, the NBA season started a few weeks ago. So what? Oh, now a preview has to be before the season, apparently. I'm so tired of that interpretation of what it means to be a preview. Everybody with their rules and their languages. Yeah, I'm sorry. The NBA season snuck up on us. We weren't ready for it, but now we're doing a preview. Now that we watched some of the season and can alter our predictions for the season, now we're comfortable making them. I think that's reasonable. It's very reasonable. Get cut us some slack. It's 2021. We're having Please. fun here. In this episode, uh, as we did last year, our top five is going to be our top five MVP candidates. And then, of course, we're going to go over all the major awards and our predictions for the teams that will win the Western Conference, the Eastern Conference, and, of course, the NBA Finals. Before we get into all that, though, we have to talk about the whiskey that you got for these folks. I got a lot to talk about here with the whiskey. I got a new glass from Ooh. Lisa for Christmas. You can see on their video I call very fancy. It's a very and glass. yeah, and she got me with that. Uncle Nearest, 1856. Whoa. So there's a cool story about this that I did not know. It's the first uh, spirit named after an African-American. Very and cool. 1856 this, too. Yeah, his name was Nathan Green. His nickname was Nearest. So it's named after him. And he taught Jack Daniels how to make whiskey. He was oh. like, he's the, like the father of whiskey in, in America and, and was basically just unknown. Um, he's kind of responsible for the charcoal uh, mellowing process that they use in Tennessee that became like the standard. So it's got a cool history behind it for that, whiskey. That is really cool. Now, before you try it, uh, I'm going to remind you that in the last podcast, you said you would give 50% of the whiskeys <laughs> the boot. And I wonder if you have the nerve to do it for this one. I would if, if, if it warranted it, I would. Okay. Because I am not, I am a man. I have, you cannot impeach my, my credibility <laughs> as a whiskey critic, but I have a feeling I'm not going to, but I, you know. It's the first one. So there's a lot of time for me to get to that 50%. Um, this one is a hundred proof. So it's pretty stout yeah. and it's, it's labeled as the smoothest whiskey in Tennessee. Whoa. It says, okay. So they're going for it and it's a award-winning handmade in Tennessee, maple charcoal filtered, which I just mentioned it's aged in charred Oak barrels. And it says, astonishingly smooth with a gentle finish. Uncle Nearest, 1856, is inspired by the best whiskey maker the world never knew. Tennessee's premier master distiller and teacher, Uncle Nearest, helped perfect the distinctive maple charcoal filtering process that exemplifies the best of American whiskey. All right. That's their claim to fame here. I wonder how many Tennessee whiskeys we've had. We've had a decent amount. Yeah, I would think so. I can't think of the other one. We just we uh, we do have the original Jack Daniels number seven, old number seven, and the one I did on the hundredth episode at least. Mm-hmm. And I know there's some other ones that we've had, like Knob Creek and uh, you know some of the big okay, yeah, distilleries. But um, I'm gonna have this on the rocks. I usually like to have some neat, but this one it feels like an on the rocks. 
selection. The smell is um, very pleasant. It's got that little bit of a sweetness to it. Okay. Going in for a sip here. Up front, the taste is... It makes sense that he would have taught Jack Daniel how to make whiskey because it has a similar characteristic mm. to Jack Daniel's whiskey. It's got the the primary character of it. It is very smooth. There's not a lot of burning or... Um, I don't know what to call that, where it like kind of that kick when you first yeah. take the sip. It's very smooth. It finishes very warm. The whole thing is smooth too. It's like the 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 taste when you first sip it is smooth. As it sits on your tongue, it's smooth, and then when it finishes, it's smooth. So there's lots the, of smooths happening. That's good. I mean, we don't know if it'll have the ultimate smooth, of course, but that it's smooth start to finish. I, that's a good sign. I'm also getting a little bit of like kind of like a subtle hint of banana wow in the in the taste and my, the feel of it that i'm getting it's kind of strange but it's pleasing i got that third sip coming up here that's the deciding factor all right i can't uh mess around anymore it's going on the smooth train going on the smooth train three sips to confirm it where do you see it compared to jack daniels it's better Wow. Yeah, it's definitely better. I think this is a more this is a more refined um version of that. I think I'm saying just the common like Jack Daniels right. old number seven. Yeah. It's definitely much better than that. It's it's even comparable to I don't know how much this this was a gift, so I'm not gonna like ask how much it was or anything. I could probably just Google it and find out, but if it's it's even comparable to that really fancy one that I had on the hundredth episode. Oh, the gold. Like as, yeah. Like as far as how smooth it is and just the, the very pleasant overall taste and like something that I would like to drink. Um, it's up there. All right. Good to know. If uh, uncle nearest is nearest to you, go ahead and pick it up. It is absolutely comparable to an excellent whiskey price point unknown. So, uh, but it sounds like if you're saying it's comparable to a whiskey that was a conductor of the smooth train and a hundred dollars, then this is certainly up there. Yeah, it's very good. Excellent job, Lisa. All right. Yeah. Excellent job. Um, so we got another one for the smooth train. Now we got to switch gears to talk about the NBA. Uh, I mentioned that we'll talk about our top five MVPs. Uh, in the top five section. But first, we got to get to the rest of the awards and, of course, our predictions for uh, what's going to happen in terms of teams winning it all. So to catch people up on the last season of NBA, Lakers won. And really, all the Lakers did in the offseason was probably make their team better. So we'll, I, I think it's theirs to lose, but we'll see what happens. Which award do you want to start with, BPM? I guess Rookie of the Year. All right. Rookie of the Year, who do you got? I mentioned it in our last episode, um, so spoiler alert there, but Patrick Williams from the Chicago Bulls. I think that's a fine, fine pick. Yeah, Patrick Williams seems good. I also like James Wiseman for the Warriors. But I, I decided I hate to go with a trendy pick, but I kind of do think it'll happen. Um I'm going to go with a little mellow ball for the rookie of the year. Fair enough. 
All right, who is your defensive player of the year? For defensive player of the year, I'm going with good old Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz. Ooh, I was this close to picking Rudy Gobert. I decided actually to go with Bam Adebayo. I love Bam, so I like yeah, that pick. He had just that epic block on Jason Tatum in the playoffs, which I bet some of the defensive player of the year voters will just remember that and it'll carry it through to this year. Yeah, that's a All good right, point. Who's, who's your sixth man of the year? Sixth man of the year, keeping it with the Bulls, Otto Porter Jr. I think that's automatic. Great. Yeah, uh, Otto's awesome. He is. He's a good scorer, and I think him not starting this year because of the aforementioned Patrick Williams, he'll be able to – he's pouring it in already off the bench. So, Yeah, good pick. Um, I, I similarly picked somebody in that will pour it in off the bench, which is kind of – it's always the winner of the sixth man of the year, somebody who just scores a lot of points. And I think this person's going to do this for the Nets. I'm giving my sixth man of the year to Karis Levert. That's a good pick. I like, I like Mr. Levert. He is, you know, uh, really a starter – but due to uh, you know Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant coming back, somebody between him and Dinwiddie have to be on the bench. I predict that for the most of the rest of the season that it'll be Levert. Sounds like it has been so far. So I think he will come in with the sixth man of the year. He's also on my 2K team that I created and moved to Seattle, and he's great on that team. Nice. So that's important as well in my consideration. All right, who do you have for the most improved player? Most improved will be um, from the Oklahoma shitty Thunder, Shy Gilgis Alexander. Oh, that's I feel like that's a really good pick because really anybody on that team will have an opportunity to shine. I love him. I think, I mean, that trade makes sense for the Clippers because Paul George is one of the best players in the league. But I mean, it's not a lot of times in those trades, they get a bunch of pieces and nobody pans out, but the Thunder did well in that trade. Like he's, he's really good. Yeah. No, I think that's a great pick. My pick is from the Indiana Pacers, DeMontis Sabonis. Love it. Who I think, you know, he was an all-star next last year. But a lot of people were like, well, you know, I don't know, borderline all-star. Some people didn't think he deserved it. This year, I don't think they're going to even have an all-star game. But he will be so obviously clearly an all-star and superstar that I I think he's going to get the award. He stood out in the Bulls-Pacers game this year that I watched. He added significantly to his muscle mass, and he looked like a beast out there. He He was wrecking shop. Between his beard and the way his hair is now, he people have commented that he just looks like a dad. Yeah. Suddenly. <laughs> Throwing elbows, though, too. Yeah. Um, all right. Last award. Who is your coach of the year? Coach of the year. Uh, I, this was tough for me. I'm going to go with, because I feel like coach of the year sometimes airs on the side of, like, the coach that I think had the most influence, not necessarily the best. I'm going to say Monty Williams from the Phoenix Suns. Holy shit. I don't think this counts as a double dip because we're not in our top five, but I also said Monty Williams, Phoenix Suns. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. I was, I was torn. I had Steve Nash up there too, because I think just the fact that I never even thought he would coach and then he's the coach of the Nets, like maybe he would get it because of that, but they're so loaded. Yeah. I think the tricky thing with the Nets is, and I think that would be a good pick too, but it's like they can't really surpass 
their regular season expectations because they're already pretty high. So right. I, I kind of think it's unlikely that he could get it. Yeah. Um, but the Suns are doing well so far. And yeah, Monty Williams seems like a good coach. Uh, and of course, like Chris Paul is probably like a de facto assistant coach. Right. And they, I like the mix of talent on the team. And I think just having like, just like I think with the Bulls, I considered Billy Donovan as like a, like a really long shot pick, but I had too many homer picks already. Um, but I just think when you have like talent and then you, you get a competent coach that knows how to get something out of it, it really makes a difference for some of these teams. So I think they could help for Phoenix. All right. This is the most important thing. People want to know what they're placing money on. Uh, and of course, a caveat before we get there. I think our predictions are, of course, going to be correct, but it's your own responsibility for what you place bets on. Don't come, you know, crying to us. Correct. Uh, who you got in the East, who you got in the West, and who do you have winning it all? I have the Brooklyn Nets coming out of the East that we were just talking about against the Los Angeles Clippers. Whoa. And I have the Clippers winning it all in seven games. Okay. Do you know, who do you think will... Uh, Brooklyn beating the Eastern Conference Finals, and who do you think the Clippers are going to beat in the Western Conference Finals? I'll ju- I didn't think about that, but I'll just say the Clippers beat the Lakers, mm-hmm. and the Nets beat the Bucks. Okay, so if that's the case, we have the same Final Four. Mm. So I have Brooklyn also over the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. In the West, I have the Lakers over the Clippers. And in the finals, I've got the Lakers beating the Nets in five. Ooh, wow. You're saying the Lakers are going to just run roughshod over the competition again. I kind of think so. They're going to take it to them. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think it'll be, I think some of the games will be close, but uh, yeah, the Nets, once they get going, they're scary. I think they'll go to the finals. Yeah. They look really good. Yeah. All right. So uh, next we got to cover, of course, is our top five MVP picks, which kind of informs what we think about how the season is going to go. So without further ado, let's get into it. These are our top five MVP picks for the 2020-2021 NBA season. More than four, less than six. It's the top five. All right, B-Pimp, who's your number five on your ballot? My number five is Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks. Very nice number five pick. Some people had him going number one. I feel like he was the popular pick to to win the MVP. I think he'll win many of them. I just don't think he's there yet. Yeah, same. He, he feels like the type of player that's will be is already a fantastic NBA player and will continue to be. But I think his expectations for this season have outpaced how he's going to do yeah uh my number five a different european uh, and i mentioned him earlier but he's going to be number five on my ballot that's demontis sabonis nice is he your favorite um lithuanian player currently in the nba yes well considering unless i'm mistaken there's only two Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, Jonas Valanciunas being the other one. I had a lot of, I had high expectations for Jonas. And honestly, he hasn't like, he hasn't disappointed. He just, you know, never really became a star. Solid player, solid starting center on Memphis. Um, But what Jonas, Jonas is a little stiff. 
And yeah. I think there are some areas where DeMontis is just a little bit quicker um, and I think has more potential. Of course, the pedigree, incredible. Um, and he's just been so good. So far, the season was really good. Uh, last season, he took a step up. And of course, I think it's going to take another one up this year. That's a good, I like that. Who is your number four? My number four is Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn Nets. All right. Expecting a comeback season for Durant. Yeah, he's just the, the, we talked about it before with him, but like the fact that he's as big as he is and basically plays like a shooting guard is just kind of unfair. So mm-hmm. he can't, you can't really disrupt his jumper. Like no, if, he, he, if he can get it off, that's it. No, for sure. Uh, that's a great pick. My number four is LeBron James. So I'm thinking this, this feels like about the right spot for him. I'm, I think he's past the point in his career where he's really gunning for MVPs at this point. He's going more for longevity. So I feel like any year he could kind of be the MVP, but he's just either not going to play enough games or really uh, assert his scoring to a level that, that, that people are going to consider him for the top prize. So I've got him number four for that reason. Nice. Who's your number three? My number three is the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Ooh, slip after back-to-back MVP slipping all the way to third. Do you think yeah, it's going to be voter fatigue? Yeah, I think it's hard. I mean, not that many players ever really dominate like that, especially when there's so many other players that are awesome too. Um, he is. I mean, he could definitely do it. There's no like that's why I still have him three. But I just I just have a gut feeling about a couple other people. So that's no, it. I think that's fair. Uh, all right, my number three is Luka Doncic. So you mentioned him at number five. Um, and I, you know, a lot of people do have a number one, which is a bridge too far, I think. But certainly what I've noticed early on is that he can have what looks like an off night, but still somehow have like 27 points and like 11 assists and maybe like eight rebounds. So he, when you're that type of player, like you're, I think you're going to be in the conversation. Yeah. He's got what, Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to mention he's got what another guy that I um, considered for rookie of the year, which is Denny Avija. I, I don't know how to say his name, Adija, I think, for the Wizards. Mm-hmm. Um, he played in Israel for a while before he came here, and and he, they're just he looks so polished right away because they've got all that experience. Yeah. And I think that's with Luca the same thing. Like he played so much in like big time games before he came to the NBA that he's already he's not phased by it, you know. For sure. Yeah, he's been doing it since he was like 14 or 15. Yeah. Yeah, I and I I just the other thing about the MVP is you usually got to be on a pretty stellar team. And I just don't see the Mavericks being like a top 3 or 4 seed. No. So I I don't think he could be number 1, but that's why I have him number 3. All right, next on your list, who do you got number 2? Number 2 is Paul George. Of the Los Angeles Clippers. Whoa. I have, I have a feeling about them, um, as you may notice by the fact that I picked them to win the finals, uh, that it seems like the way their season ended and the coaching changed, it just seems like they're – and I, it, knowing, like, having watched Paul George when he was in Indiana up close when they play the Bulls a lot and just seeing the kind of, like, competitor and kind of, like, crazy man that he is, I have a feeling he might be possessed this year. I could see that, like just avenging kind of a poor playoff performance. Yeah, I think I actually I think that's a really good pick because he 
I don't remember if he actually ended up being number three, but when he was in Oklahoma City, he was a, he was a top five MVP candidate. Right. Yeah. Uh, he's certainly capable of it. All right. My number two is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, just tried to power through that last name the best I could. <laughs> and not much else to say. I just think he's going to have like a similar season to his last two seasons. I think... I think the two things that will hold him back from being a three-time, three-in-a-row MVP is, one, I think it's lingering with people that the Bucks were a little disappointing in the playoffs, uh, which, you know, shouldn't apply necessarily to the MVP, but I think it, I think it kind of might in the back of their mind. And then there's just a fatigue factor. The, the one I compare it to, although this is different because I think Giannis's were even more earned, but Steve Nash won the MVP twice in a row. Although it was actually the third season, the following season was his best year. Yeah. Um, but but I think people were like, we're not going to give it to Steve Nash three years in a row. That's freaking insane. Yeah. So he, wait, Steve happen. Nash won it the last two years? <laughs> yeah, whoa. <laughs> we made a mistake. Sorry. Yeah. So, but, but that's part of it. I mean, winning it three years in a row, I don't think anyone's done it since, did Jordan ever do it? He might have, right? I think he did. I think he did do it, but I don't know. No actually, maybe, maybe not because Carl Malone won a couple in the second three-peat, I think. So I don't know if he would have. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe not. I just think like just people are not going to give it three years in a row. Right. Uh, so that's why I have number two. All right. Who is your MVP for the 2020-2021 season? I think this is kind of a crazy pick, especially given my number two, but I'm going with Kawhi. What? Wow. Yep. I think I have a feeling. This is why I said I'm kind of going a little out there with my picks because I just have a feeling about the Clippers. I just, yeah. I think they're going to really go for it. And I think they're both going to compete to a level that makes them number one and number two in the MVP voting. I like that. I mm-hmm. wonder if teammates have ever been number one, number two. I don't know. Probably not. Would be my guess. No, but hey, if you got a feeling about them, you have them winning in the finals. I I can't fault you for that. Yeah. Uh, all right. My number one is Kevin Durant. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Expecting that comeback. I think the Nets are going to be really good. And I, I feel like it's a good story, too. People were shitting on Kevin Durant for a long time for going to the Warriors, which... Honestly, why wouldn't you leave Oklahoma City to go to the Bay Area? A <laughs> hundred out of a hundred people would make that decision if they could. So I don't think that was fair. Then people got the feeling that he was always kind of like half in, half out with the Warriors. But he honestly came back in a game that he shouldn't have come back in and got severely re-injured. Mm-hmm. And it kept him out for a year and a half. Yeah, so I think of his prime yeah, of his prime, exactly. Um, so I think I think he will have a, an excellent year and a deserving MVP year, and I think he'll get the boost of people wanting him to get it. Yeah. So that's why I have him number one. Great pick. You have any – I have a ton of honorable mentions. Do you have any honorable mentions? I just went with one because I like him, and we talked about it a little bit, but I, I love the Atlanta Hawks, and I'm going with Trey Young as an honorable mention. I think that's a great pick. I have Trey Young as an honorable mention as well. Um I have Lillard, uh, also Embiid, 
I think the 76ers will be a little bit better this year. I thought about Curry. I'm actually going to delete him off my list right now. So no Curry, but I will include Jason Tatum. Ah, nice. So those are my honorable mentions are Lillard, Young, Tatum, and Embiid. Solid. All right. If you think there are MVP candidates that we forgot about, uh, your favorite players out there, let us know. Uh, hit us up on our Twitter. That's at Whiskey Sessions. Or email us at whiskeysessionsmusic at gmail.com and we'll read your email on a future episode. But we got to get to your emails for this episode. Uh, so let's do that. Without further ado, these are your emails. You sent us emails to read. Emails! And now we'll read them. All right, B-Pimp, what's in the old email inbox? We just got a quick little anonymous email here. Um, and it says, I am finding it hard to pay attention to NBA basketball ever since Brian Scalabrini retired from playing. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips or tricks to help me get over this devastation and re-engage with the league? That's tough. Um, I think that was a turning off point for a lot of people. I think the ratings did nosedive after he retired. Yeah, I... Yeah, Brian Scalabrini. Well, there was a player in the mid-90s for the Sonics, early in mid-90s, I think, who was a lot like Brian Scalabrini. And he was like used essentially as like a human victory cigar. His name is Steve Scheffler. I don't know if you've heard of him before. I have heard of him, yes. (laughs) But it always blows my mind, actually, that somebody can be a 12th man for like six consecutive years, you almost feel like you're going to go one way or the other, but he somehow was always that guy for the Sonics in the mid nineties. And of course those Sonics teams were really good and they had a lot of blowouts. So he would like play a few minutes at the end of the game and people loved him. Big white guy. But I, I, I think a lot of people when chef left the game, when Brian Scalabrini left the game, they're just looking for that void. And what it is, I mean, honestly is, like the majority of the fan base for the NBA probably is white and they need this untalented white guy to be like their representative. It's like an avatar for them. Exactly. Yeah. Like they know, I mean like Brian Scalabrini and Steve Scheffler, both guys are probably like six ten. So of course yeah. that, but still when they watch them play, they're probably like, Oh man, I could do that move. Jeez. Like go dude. Yeah. So who is that next guy is the question. That's what I'm always, one of my, my scouting eye is always divided between looking for talent and looking for comedy. And I feel like I haven't found him yet, but when I do, I'll let everybody know. I think one of my favorite players in that respect, and he's not a 12th man, he's, he's sometimes starts, but Boris Diaw is just like one of my favorite, like he's just going in slow motion and he's like really a savvy passer and like a savvy player. But, it's, but when you watch him, you're like, man, I could just be out there doing that stuff. This is a serious question. Is he still playing? I think he is. For the Spurs? Oh, uh, well, that I don't know. I don't think he plays for the Spurs. I thought he retired. Hold on, I gotta look. You tell me, I, I'm pretty sure Boris Diaz still plays, but I don't think it's for the Spurs. No, he doesn't. Hmm. He's an executive now. Oh, okay, never mind. Who well, but... Are you thinking of Kyle Anderson? Kyle Anderson is a similar mold type player. Who plays exactly like Boris. I got excited because I hoped Boris Dia was still playing. Ah, yeah, me too. No, I think I'm thinking of a third player who's like escaping me now, who's also very Boris Dia-like. It's not Kyle Anderson? It wasn't Kyle Anderson. 
Uh, but I do love that Kyle Anderson's nickname already is slow-mo. Yeah, he, but he honestly, I just watched the Hawks and Grizzlies and he shocks me anew every time I see him because he's very effective. Yeah. He makes these like weird slow motion jump shots. His name is so appropriate and, and nobody can block them. I don't know why. I think it's because they think he shot it 20 minutes ago and he's still like releasing the ball. Sam Perkins was a little that way too. His release felt like it took a minute and a half. Yeah, it was like, like loading was a cannon. <laughs> it was a catapult because it was like behind his head <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, great email. I've got one from. Uh, ooh, it's from Quentin in Sun Valley, Idaho. That place sounds nice. Uh, okay, whiskey sessions. The obvious first choice for an NBA expansion team is Seattle, but if two teams are added to the league, where are you putting the second one? That's a great, great question. For me, I got to say, I'm putting that second team in Seattle, too. You, know, you want to go for oh, two? Yeah. Revenge for having no team for the last 12 years. Yeah, I, I've got the Seattle team, and then I'm, I'm building a stadium in West Seattle, where I'm from, and they're going to have a team, too. The good thing about that is if one of those teams gets taken over by, like, an incompetent executive and run into the ground, you have a second. You have a backup. <laughs> we need it. Yeah. How funny would it be if like Naperville got a team? Yeah, that that was I was gonna say like what, like a weird suburb of Chicago just gets like mm. it's the Midlothian Mad Men. <laughs> Midlothian, I would love that. The NBA expansion franchise. Yeah, Berwin gets a team. <laughs> realistically, what do you think the other city would be? Um, I was trying to think. Wouldn't they try to make some kind of either another team in Canada or like? london or something wouldn't they make like an international move at some point i would love to see see the thing is i think vancouver should get a team vancouver's already had a team and then they moved after like only about five years why did they move just because whoever owned them wanted to go to memphis or were they failing in in vancouver do you know the background of that that's the thing i don't really know okay because they had brian big country reefs how could you fail with that what a fun player yeah, yeah, I I don't know why that didn't work. Vancouver is a pretty big city. It seems like it should have worked. It is. I mean, it's a rabid hockey city. So, I mean, I know there's obviously sports fans, but hockey is Canada's sport. So, yeah, I would love it more than any other city. I would love it to be Vancouver. Uh, people have said Vegas. People have also said like Kansas City, but well, I mean, it's like not exciting for Kansas City to get a team. Who cares? Kansas City did have the team that eventually ended up in Sacramento, right? They were like the Monarchs when they were in Kansas City, I think. Mm, yeah, I think you're right. And Sacramento almost ended up in Seattle. God, that was heartbreaking. I really thought we were going to get them. Wasn't it Kevin Johnson's fault that they didn't leave? It was. Kevin Johnson was the mayor of Sacramento at the God, time. How does that happen? I don't know. It's effing crazy. He was a terrible mayor in every other way. And I think went out. I forget what his scandal was, but it wasn't good. And... But he just so happened to be there at the time. If Dan Marley somehow gets involved with <laughs> sorting the next one, I'm going to be serious. Cedric yeah. Sabalos. What are these Phoenix Suns players doing? I don't know. Oliver Miller. Yeah. Um, all right. If you want to send us an email, hit us up at whiskeysessionsmusic at gmail.com. We'll read it on a future episode. But that does it for this episode, the NBA preview. Watch yourself some basketball. Tell us if we're right. I think we're going to be right on all of these predictions. Um, but until next time, be pimp. You got any words of wisdom for our, our avid, avid listeners and basketball fans? 
next year look for our nba preview in mid march <laughs> yeah we'll get ready just before the playoffs start uh hey, right, patrick stay <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. until <laughs> next time this is amet saying peace out and be pimp bye